This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 429 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about why we're mad, not just disappointed about a 3-0 loss in Leipzig, and why we're not mad, just disappointed about a 2-1 loss away to Manchester City, and why we hope to be neither mad nor disappointed after Saturday's Revier Derby against FC Schalke, and for all that and more, joins me Lars Poermann. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing much better now that I've heard your best intro in years. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. And uh, the intro continues right here because we have a sponsor of this episode. Wir sind komplett schuldenfrei. Wir zahlen keinen einzigen Euro an Zinsen. And this episode is sponsored by the man with 1000 Dortmund kits. It's Ed Zahin, the sleek who thanks us for all the great content we put out. So uh, for that, thank you, Zahin. And uh, Zahin, of course, represents Borussia Dortmund from Malaysia. And so I have to give a shout out to the Malaysian Dortmund fan club. So make sure to follow them at Dortmund MY fans. They have also a YouTube channel where Zahin does watch alongs and especially ahead of Dortmund's tour to Southeast Asia in November, where they will visit Singapore, Indonesia and Vietnam, I think, uh, we should mention that and uh, yeah, if you want to sponsor an episode, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall for more information. And with that, we shall move on to Saturday's game against Leipzig, which was a 3-0 loss with goals from Orban, Sloboschai and Haidara. And uh, Leipzig probably could have scored more if Werner's footballing IQ was higher than the shirt number. And uh, yeah, Dortmund produced five shots, none on target. <laughs> so Lars, why did Dortmund defend like Marc Rose was on the sideline? Um, well, first of all, the only highlight coming out of this game is your attempt at uh, pronouncing Sobosly, which was quite legendary. I, I'm um, sorry. Yeah, I did my best. It's a diff, diff, it's a difficult name, and it's not like we at Dortmund are uh, used to difficult names. Uh, just remember Wojciechowski, just rolls off it's the tongue Vukas quite Pischek. Correct. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I suppose <laughs> they saw. <laughs> I suppose they saw Marco Rose and and were reminded of their duty to concede from a set piece, which happened after five minutes. Funnily enough, until that point, I think Dortmund were uh, in the game quite well. Uh, Nico Schlotterbeck lost his his man, uh, Willi Orban. That stuff can happen; doesn't necessarily result in a goal. It did here. Uh, and from then on, it went downhill. Uh, I think maybe some of the players were a bit uh, overplayed, as we would say in German. So uh, there, there was certainly a lack of intensity in in some aspects, uh, which I guess comes down to not having enough um, opportunities to make changes to the eleven uh, over the last few games with so many injuries again. So basically, once they went down 1-0 against Leipzig and with Leipzig having the, the new manager bounce uh, with Marco Rose, every every player giving, you know, the typical 5-10% to 10 more, 
Um, they were kind of doomed, I suppose. And then obviously, uh, when they were looking to get into the halftime team talk, only a goal down. Two. Which isn't... When they were looking at it, Stefan, before Schlobuschei, as you said, uh, scored the banger uh, to make it 2-0. Um, once that happened, it, it was basically game over. I think if it had been one down, maybe there would have been a chance. But uh, given the clear discrepancy in, in energy levels throughout the uh, first half bar, the first five minutes... I think going down uh, by by two was basically an early nail in the coffin. And then, as you alluded to earlier, if Timo Werner wasn't Timo Werner, it might have gotten quite ugly, actually. And one could easily argue that three uh, down uh, against Leipzig is ugly enough. Yeah, uh, it was a, a terrible performance. Even my mother, who does not watch or like football whatsoever, said <laughs> that these Dortmund players must have no honor if they lose to their ex-coach like that. And uh, yeah, obviously a hot take from very far away. But uh, yeah, still, um, it was it was pretty infuriating while I also understand that the team was fatigued and I I don't know, I was kind of not caring at the, about this game at some point. I was sort of mentally prepared for this sort of performance because um, the Copenhagen game I was uh, really happy with and uh, obviously when, when you're really happy with the performance and think, okay, from first to the 90th minute, Dortmund played really well, well, then guess what? The next performance, they do lay an egg and uh, yeah, this is exactly what we expect from this team and um, yeah, obviously uh, some frustrating moments <laughs> like Guerrero just standing around after losing the ball and such. But uh, yeah, over the 90 minutes last, I'm... I just thought that Dortmund's ball progression was simply too slow to threaten Leipzig. Uh, obviously, a lot to do has with the lineup, uh, also just because Dortmund did not have any pace. Uh, Anthony Modest, obviously, um, very slow. Uh, Wolf, probably the fastest of the front three or front four. And uh, yeah, Reus and Brandt also didn't really combine for much. And uh, yeah, Jude Bellingham, um, not his best game either, even though he was one of the best players, arguably, for Dortmund. So, um, yeah, I don't know what more to say about this game other than that it was terrible and that uh, even with uh, bench players coming on uh, Reina Mokoko around the hour mark, not much uh, turned around. I mean, yeah, Reina created this uh, one chance for Modesto, who then missed it. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, and, yeah, of course, under-23 player Justin Neymar, uh, I don't, I don't know how you pronounce him, but uh, yeah, he gave his debut. With not like that. <laughs> I'm sure not like that, but uh, yeah. Uh, in all honesty, it was it was a write-off for Dortmund, and that is uh, very sad because as the uh, you know second richest team in the league, you expect a little bit more output than that. If I'm entirely honest, and um, yeah, I, I don't even want to waffle on too long about this game because we are on a tight schedule. So let's just move on to the next game, which was against Manchester City. A heartbreaking loss. And uh, yeah, Jude Bellingham's redirect header of a Marco Roy shot in the 56th minute gave Dortmund a 1 lead. But John Stones with a thunderbolt in the 80th minute and Erling Haaland's ridiculously outstretched leg in the 84th minute saw Manchester City prevail. But uh, the story here is that Eden Tessic lined Dortmund up in a 4-3-3 system with Emre Can solidifying, yes, solidifying the defensive midfield between Ashan and Bellingham and that the team kept with Manchester City, um, yeah, and all their talent really uh, 
I would say for what was it about 80 minutes with uh, zero shots on target. So um, doing that in Manchester to me is very impressive. Uh, Pep Guardiola said after the game we had problems to find our rhythm and Motumil said we had them. So Lars, uh, what did you make uh, out of this uh, game and why is this loss so disappointing in the end, even though I predicted, you know, a, a drubbing really? Yeah, I think most will have. So, I mean, if it sounds defeatist in a way, but if you had given most Dortmund fans, not all of them, but most of them, uh, the option to sign on for a 2-1 defeat after a good performance at Man City, I think they would have taken that. Uh, given, you know, what happened at Leipzig and also given that uh, Man City not only have Erling Haaland, but had uh, a week of rest after uh, the Premier League match day was cancelled. So because of that also, I was kind of surprised at how well Dortmund did, to be honest. Um, I was in the camp of those that expected a, a dropping, just like you said, uh, or at least feared it, because, uh, you know, even on a good day, if Man City have a better day, they will pummel you, uh, because they have one of the uh, best squads in, in club football in the world, uh, and the most informed striker in the world in Erling Haaland. So, um, given, given all that, Certainly surprising to see Dortmund prevail for so long, uh, which was mostly down to all the things working well that didn't work well at Leipzig. So intensity, cohesion defensively. Uh, obviously, it's a, a much different game in, in terms of not having much of possession. Uh, I think actually uh, Alex Meyer despite his involvement, let's say, in at least the first goal, did brilliantly well uh, with the ball at his feet and was kind of a major part of Dortmund's game plan uh, to have a little bit of possession at least. Um, I think, as you said, John did quite well uh, in, in defensive midfield or dropping back into the back line in, in, on occasion. Um, given that Dortmund weren't going to have much of the ball I think that was kind of the plan for John to drop back and, and help out a bit in in, in build-up, but mostly just have another runner in defensive midfield so you don't get overrun by uh, De Bruyne, Gündogan, Rodri, uh, Bernardo coming off the bench uh, and, and, and those guys. So yeah, uh, I don't know. There's there's really not much to fault them uh, for, for the first 79 minutes. Um, I suppose Marco Reus could have put away that, that counter-attacking chance, but then again, that was a brilliant move for him to get uh, that open shooting lane, so not much blame to <laughs> Man, I can't just sliding out of the TV picture. It was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, the entire move was pretty cool. I mean, I think uh, it was uh, Hummels with the laid-back header and then uh, Özcan releasing on the left and all that, so uh, that was a nice move. And then... Uh, you you described the goal as a redirect header from a Marco Reus shot. I guarantee you that Marco Reus didn't try to put that on goal. That was certainly uh, a ball into the box to be headed into goal, not necessarily towards Bellingham, I suppose. But that was definitely not a not a shot on target. Um, yeah, I mean, I I could ramble on, but I guess everybody saw Dortmund did really well for most of the game, and then. 
Alien Terzic made what I would describe as an ill-advised but historically accurate Dortmund sub <laughs> uh, in in ah, the pain. In, uh, in bringing on a center half in Nico Schlotterbeck for uh, was Modest right for for yes. the striker. Uh, it's it, it's tried and tested. Doesn't work for Dortmund. It doesn't matter if it's Tele Santana or whoever it is. Just don't bring on extra center backs. It, Mats Hummels after the game, uh, speaking to uh, the zone in Germany, said that everybody who makes uh, the 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 feed out to be because of the the tactical switch to a back three uh, is is making things too easy for themselves. I suppose it's uh, a, a good thing that the the defensive leader doesn't throw the head coach under the bus, and B, it's it's nice to see Hummels not looking for an excuse. But I think there would be one for the taking because uh, a we we know from history that it doesn't work for Dortmund to bring on extra center backs, and I think it's also, if nothing else, maybe a sort of a, a, a mental sign to both teams that one of them is going to sit even deeper and invite even more pressure. And then when you take a look at both goals, uh, Stones, no pressure on the ball. Obviously, he hits a, a great shot that Meyer might have kept out or Kobel might have kept off more, more likely than than Meyer, I suppose. And then the uh, Trivela cross from uh, Cancelo. Uh, I think it's Emre Can closing him down and... and then Haaland does Haaland things, as I think Hummels also said, and, and that's basically how you lose at least one deserved points, if not three deserved points. Yeah, very vexing indeed, because, uh, you know, you have to really praise Terzic for how he set up um, Dortmund against this Pep Guardiola team, because uh, Guardiola said it, you know, again, similar problems to uh, how it looked two seasons ago in the Champions League quarterfinal, and uh, Manchester City really did look you know, like they were playing a preseason game at, at times. You know, they maybe lacked some urgency. Maybe they uh, <laughs> saw the Leipzig game and thought, oh, okay, we can win this in uh, second gear, which, uh, you know, in the end may might be true. But, uh, you know, I was impressed that uh, after halftime, Dortmund came out and actually uh, played a bit more on the front foot and created chances. And, um, you know, you almost saw the goal coming, like Dortmund did create a couple of chances here and there, obviously not a plethora of chances because it's still Manchester City, but uh, nevertheless, um, really encouraging stuff. And then after they went ahead, it wasn't like Manchester City completely took over. So there were some nice stints of possession, uh, as you rightly point out, Alex Meyer obviously um, had a, a foot in that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, it's it's just annoying that uh, these performances swing so much between uh, every other day. And uh, yeah, I, I really do wish that um, Tessic could make some more positive substitutions because he did have Mokoko and Adeyemi on the bench. And I feel like um, maybe even, you know, with 20 minutes to go, you bring in... I mean, he did bring on Malin, but you bring in more legs uh, to, you know, actually play forward more and maybe take some pressure off the back line because if you play the last 10 minutes uh, super deep in your own box and just try to punt every ball that you get uh, forward and just wait for, the, wait for the next wave of attack, I don't think that's a smart tactic and uh, Dortmund also do not really have the players to do that. Um, they are not uh, <laughs> peak Atletico Madrid to really grind, grind it out like that, so... Um, yeah, I really hope that Terzic learns from that, but uh, considering he did this already in his uh, first stint and obviously 
It was also a strategy often applied under Lucien Favre, where he, of course, was the assistant coach. Um, I do not have my hopes up high that the old uh, centre-back substitution for the last 10 minutes or so uh, doesn't rear its ugly head again in the future. So, um, yeah, the, that's maybe the, the one disappointing note um, that the in-game management could have, you know, been a little bit better. But, um, you know, that's... Uh, Sadly, what it is now for Dortmund. Uh, but the good news is, as you pointed out, um, Copenhagen uh, managed to get a scoreless draw against Sevilla. And with that, Dortmund sit in second place in the group. And um, obviously, they still have to beat Copenhagen in Copenhagen. But uh, yeah, it at least looks very promising. So Lars, um, obviously, um, there are more things to discuss in detail uh, about the City game. Uh, you know, the Jude Bellingham performance alone. Uh, runs that but we just do not have much time so let's look ahead to Saturday's Revier Derby and as you just told me you will be there in person <laughs> so um, yeah I'm just going to give you the rundown uh, Schalke right now sit in P2 in P12 uh, too much Formula 1 here sit in 12th position in the Bundesliga table with one win that they just got against Bochum three draws and two losses they have scored as many goals as Dortmund this season with 8, but have allowed 13, which is the second worst record in the league behind Bochum, and their top scorer is Marius Bülter with three goals to his name. Now, uh, <laughs> the thing is, I have not really paid attention much to Schalke in, uh, since they have been uh, relegated, and, uh, you know, back in the day, I always knew exactly what player is, uh, you know, do, playing which position and knew their squad inside out pretty much because I watched them a lot. But nowadays, I don't know, they feel almost a bit of an irrelevant team and obviously this derby will uh, <laughs> make that uh, obsolete for me and bring them back to relevance. And uh, if you are a new Dortmund fan, um, you should know that I, being from Dortmund, hate Schalke more than any other team on this planet. Uh, so, Lars, <laughs> what can we expect? Because uh, I do not want to praise Dortmund for their performance against Manchester City before they also perform well against Schalke. Well, too bad we just did for <laughs> yeah, three minutes or so. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess Schalke as a promoted side six match days into the season are still a bit of an unknown. Um, you haven't seen them against every kind of opponent. Uh, I think their bad defensive record stems mostly from uh, getting pummeled by Union Berlin at home. I think was it if, six to one? I, yeah, I think it was a one six at home uh, against Union. Not a shame. Union are very very good team uh, these days, as evidence also, for example, by a draw against Bayern. Even though I guess that's what everybody does now <laughs> in the Bundesliga until yeah, they, that until they is come to Dortmund. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, just you put just uh, Union Berlin uh, on level with VfB Stuttgart. I'm not sure that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, coming back to Schalke, I think the the thing is, uh, I, I looked it up for an article today. I think they have three players left from before they were relegated, and and you know they were rele relegated in the summer of 21, so uh, not even one and a half years ago. Um, and, and two of those are the backup goalkeepers. So it's basically an entirely new 11 that's going to face Dortmund. A debutant from, ball, some might say. Which is exactly the headline of the article I wrote, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's uh, only natural that 
there's there's a lot of you know uncertainty and and, and things that are unknown to uh, us from a Dortmund perspective about Schalke. Uh, but then again, uh, I think it's almost to to their credit. Uh, speaking about uh, Schalke, if I may, despite your hatred for them, fine. I'll allow. Uh, me me not being from Dortmund, I I never got the 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 absolute most of the the Revier derby uh hatred or, or mentality or whatever so i can appreciate what what uh Ruven schroeder the sporting director at schalke has done which is to build a, a squad as i said basically from scratch over the last uh 14 months or whatever it is now they have made more than 60 signings or outgoing transfers in that period uh, and they've built a, a quite interesting team i would say um Obviously, one that's not going to challenge Dortmund in terms of individual quality, but one that, in my opinion, should be uh, fine when it comes to the relegation battle in the Bundesliga. Um, I guess we could talk about, uh, you know, Dangerman or, or players to look out for on Saturday. Uh, you already mentioned Marius Bülter, whom Dortmund fans shouldn't remember too fondly because he once scored a brace against Dortmund for Union. Uh, wasn't that that stupid game where they conceded twice from the yes. same corner routine? <laughs> I was just going to say yeah. that was that game, yes. Yeah, that that was Marius Bülter and he's now at Schalke. Uh, and, and I mean, three goals doesn't sound like much, but does a Dortmund player have three goals this season in the Bundesliga? I don't think so. It's Reus with two, I think, yes. right? Yeah, so uh, there's also Simon Terodde, uh, the quintessential second Bundesliga striker who's still struggling to make his mark in the first division at the age of, I think, 34 or something. Um, there's Sebastian Polter, uh, who came over from Bochum, scored against Bochum last week, scored for Bochum against Dortmund last season. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sure Drexler also scored at some point against Dortmund, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, from, from a stupid corner routine even, uh, when he was at Cologne. Uh, and Drexler being from the same town uh, or city rather that I am, I would, would have a soft spot for him if he didn't play for Schalke. So, um, as I said, it's, it's a quite interesting team. There's a lot of, uh, youth, but also a lot of, uh, experience. Um, they have the, the type of squad that Dortmund tend to have problems with sometimes, but I, I, then again, the last few Revier derbies have not been competitive. I think the, the last one was a 4-0 win at Schalke. Uh, the one before was a 3-0 win for Dortmund. The one before was a, was the first game from, uh, the Corona break, if, if memory serves. Uh -huh. So, I mean, what to expect against Schalke over the last few games, uh, an easy win. Uh, in Revier Derby history, those games hardly ever were easy. Um, and, and given the volatility of Dortmund's performances, as you bemoaned earlier, and, <laughs> and also given that we don't know necessarily about personnel availabilities, uh, there's, there's always, uh, caution to be had, I suppose. Yeah. As I said yesterday, Nico hurt his Schlotterback <laughs> because he does have, uh, uh, back pain and is suffering from that. Uh, obviously, he was uh, in the squad and did play after all, but I don't know if Schlotterbeck, for example, will be available against Schalke, but my assumption is yes. Um, it was at least positive to see that uh, 
uh, Marlin and Adeyemi came back and played, you know, because there was a, a cloud of doubtfulness hovering above them for uh, weeks now. And uh, so that is positive. I also do not expect Giorena to play again, uh, at least not from the start. Uh, after just playing 70 minutes or however many were, maybe even 60 or so, um, since it was his first start since April. Um, so, yeah, but the thing is, Dortmund, in theory, should give Guerrero a break because he very much needs it. He looked, as you said, overplayed against Leipzig, and uh, while he looked uh, okay against Manchester City, I... I feel like uh, the next game is one where he looks a little bit tired and in an ideal world, you would also give Marco Reus a break. <laughs> but uh, who would replace him? Uh, ideally, Reyna, but he himself needs a break again, I guess. So, um, yeah, I have I've a lot of question marks about Dortmund's setup going into this game. Maybe you can help out here. Uh, obviously, uh, Kobel sadly not available yet, but uh, defense... You know, we could argue for Hummels and Zule to to stick together because what they showed against um, Man City looked quite decent, and uh, you know they uh, did not need a lot of time to uh, uh, acclimatize to each other, given that they have also played before uh, for Bayern Munich. Yep, but also uh, Schlotterbeck just needed a break. Um he got the break and and if his back problems were too hard uh, to to play he wouldn't have come on you think it was one of those which, excuses just to moderate this uh, ever no but I mean, they they wouldn't need an excuse i mean when you can play uh, Mats Hummels and Niklas Süle it's not like uh, Nico Schlotterbeck after seven games in Dortmund colors would would suddenly pipe yeah, up yeah but i so. feel like every time the lineup sheet comes out the the headline is which of the three center backs right now is uh, benched <laughs> this is what i mean uh, it's it's not the worst problem to have, I no, suppose. Um, yeah, I, I I really don't know how they are going to handle this uh, this week. I think you could make the case that Hummels not being called up for Germany might might mean that he's going to be in the starting eleven, and maybe it's between Zule and and Schlotterbeck. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily matters. I think they all three of them are in, in decent enough shape this season. Uh, Schlotterbeck has had very good performances until Leipzig. Hummels was massive against uh, Man City. Zule is getting better and better, I would say, after his uh, muscular injury from uh, August or late July, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 the thing <laughs> is to me... Um, well, let's 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 take it from the top then. Like, uh, would you play Mundest again? This is a question I had written down anyway because of uh, his performances so far. And how how do you rate him overall? Because I don't rate him that highly so far. To me, he's a bit of a dud. I mean, I can't fault his work rate. Um, I think he's actually been better uh, off the ball uh, in terms of defensive contribution. Not only heading away set pieces, um, than than most Dortmund strikers over the last few years have been. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have the quality in uh, possession play. Uh, he's not someone to link up with much, but that, I mean, there's a reason why someone plays no offense for uh, FC Köln uh, until he's uh, almost 34 and never plays in the Champions League. Uh, he's... If in, in, in the normal world, uh, a player like Anthony Modest doesn't move to Dortmund, but 
there's nothing normal about the circumstances of what happened to Sebastian Allaire. And they still had to sign someone, which I think we all agreed on uh, when when that was kind of up in the air still. So when I started against Schalke, uh, there's very little to suggest to me that they are not going to start him, uh, given that he's played every game from the start since he signed. Um, and also given that Schalke presumably uh, will rely on set pieces to create danger on Dortmund's goal and and. Modest is very good at heading those away. So, uh, and, and I also kind of think that quite possibly there's something political about not starting Mukoko, uh, still hasn't signed a contract extension. So right now they are with every, every, uh, important minute that he gets in these big games, uh, they are putting him, uh, out for other clubs to see and judge. So. I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if there was a bit of a political dimension there. But uh, the, the point I was going to make before uh, you asked about Modest was um, I think the um, connection that Dor- uh, Terzic has to Dortmund as a club and, and his own history with the club and all that, I think he's going to be the kind of manager that takes the, the Viedabi very seriously. So... He's not going to pull a Thomas Tuchel and, and put uh, guys like uh, Kagawa and Weigel on the bench uh, to, to rest before a Europa League game against Schalke and, and take a draw as a, as a decent result there because he doesn't care about what Dortmund stands for. I, I, for, for that reason, I mean, Reus wasn't going to be uh, rested anyway, but I also can't see Guerrero being rested. Because, no, absolutely uh, not. Like I said, I in mean, an ideal the, world and uh, just rotation machine applied, that would have been the case, but obviously not. <laughs> yeah, so but but generally speaking, I think they're going to play with uh, pretty close to what their best uh, 11 options uh, are, are made of right now. The, the, the question is, who are those players in, in Terzic's eye? Um, how fit are Marlin and Adeyemi, for example? I'm assuming Wolf will rotate back into the 11 as well as uh, Brandt, obviously. As you said, Reiner, fairly likely not to start again. And I would presume John is going to drop out of the starting 11, mostly for tactical reasons, unless uh, he wants, uh, he being Terzic, wants to uh, rest Özcan from the start, then John would be the logical replacement there. But I don't know if if a John and logical uh, should be put together in a sentence too often. Yeah, I mean, I gotta really praise Emre Can though for this game because uh, he is not in rhythm and uh, he he did play well. And considering that I've been hammering him for so many <laughs> years, almost it feels like um, I I sh- I of all people uh, should uh, get out of go out of my way in order to praise uh, when he is doing well, even though this one weird touch to Haaland in the first minutes <laughs> it was already a very weird one but um uh, apart from that um very solid performance um i don't know if you want to fault him for not closing down cancelo at the end uh, because i feel like the team was just on its last legs so um yeah i don't want to be too harsh there if i'm honest um and yeah otherwise i also really want to see ashan against schalke because <laughs> i just want to see <laughs> him just smash up Sch- some schalke players uh i i don't even know who flick and kraus are and i'm sure uh, that i've said it now i will very well know after uh saturday's game but uh, they're obviously the defensive midfielders for schalke who i assume will set up in a 4-4-2 then um 
uh, yeah, they, they are the double pivot. And uh, yeah, I really do wonder how they do against uh, what I assume will be Bellingham and, and Ashan. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really hoping this game will be an electric atmosphere. Um, I think ESPN is carrying it on ESPN too. So uh, you can see that, uh, you know, on, on the international stage, uh, the Bundesliga is uh, trying to present this game uh, more publicly as well. I guess what ESPN at least are, and uh, so I hope Dortmund do not embarrass themselves whatsoever. And uh, if I'm honest, if I have to give a scoreline prediction, I think Dortmund will win this to nothing. I don't think they are going to really smash Schalke. I think um, the energy levels, and considering that even Hummel said that the entire team was flat uh, toward the end, uh, energy-wise against Manchester City, then um, yeah, I do not expect. Uh, a heroic performance from Dortmund so I think it's going to be very tricky but um, you know if they keep their defensive shape which I assume they will because more often than not this season they have managed that okay and uh, have a couple of moments going forward um, especially off the bench there's enough quality to eventually grab a goal or two here and there what do you think? Uh, if memory serves I'm a pretty good uh, mascot for Dortmund. Uh, I think the only loss I've seen of them was in a Super Cup match against Bayern. Doesn't count. Which is obvious. Which doesn't count, <laughs> is irrelevant, and, and should be nulled and voided because uh, Franck Ribéry was being Franck Ribéry, and I think he punched Passlack in that game. I, yeah, it's hard to keep all the Ribéry... Uh, instances uh, apart from each other. Or, or the so, potential yeah. red card moments in Super Cup games, <coughs> Joshua Kimmich, <coughs> apart. Yeah. So, yeah. But they won that one. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm going for a 3-1 win for Dortmund. Wonderful. I, I, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, please, uh, for the sake of Lars, uh, please win this game. <laughs> and, uh, of course, uh, for the sake of my mother, not complaining about Dortmund's honor again. <laughs> that too would be nice. So uh, plenty of motivation that should be. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, in all honesty, um, uh, it, it, it should be very feisty. And it's obviously the first sold out Revier Derby in how many years? Three? Uh, it's almost three. The last one was uh, 29th of October 2019, a goalless draw with uh, managers David Wagner and Lucien Favre, just to illustrate how long ago that was. All right. So, yeah, on that note, uh, it is time to end the show. Uh, as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening. And uh, to you, Lars, thank you for coming on and helping me out today. Uh, you can follow Lars at Lars Palmer on Twitter. You can follow me at Stefan Butzku. You can follow all of us at Yellow Wall Pod. You can, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Yellow Wall, and uh, watch my almost daily BVB update where I, you know, as the name says, give you updates about Borussia Dortmund. And uh, yeah, we'll do a lineup prediction and stuff like that tomorrow as well. And um, yeah, that is pretty much it. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And uh, we shall be back with another episode then uh, next week to discuss the Revere Derby. And uh, yeah, then, uh, then there's the international break. So um, there's a bit of time off for me. Great. So uh, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. And goodbye.